Would you open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 12? And while you're doing that, I want to give you an update from today in uh, Uganda. Is it actually working? Yeah. In Uganda, this was from this morning at Fred's church that we planted last month. Uh, God has been doing some amazing things. And, um, you know, while we were in the village, uh, there's, there's a lot of, it's a predominantly Muslim village. Um, Holly was there. I, mean, I can't see who else is in here. But there were several of us who were in there. And it was a little tense, uh, especially with my 12-year-old. And, uh, and I was uh, a little cantankerous. I don't know if you know this about me, but I can be a little cantankerous. Um, Shannon can verify that. Uh, and I was being a little cantankerous because it just felt very uneasy and very unsteady. And we were, you know, there was a lot of us and we were being spread out and didn't want to get separated. And, and uh, there was one guy that I had, uh, I kind of barked at a little bit because I was, we were talking to this one person about Jesus. And I looked around. My son is 25 year, yards away with some grown man that I don't even know who is, is shaking his hand and talking to him. And he was inebriated. Um, Here's the point. I got mad, and I was like, kind of had to repent later that day. And uh, on Sunday, that guy uh, came to the first church service, came down front, gave his life to Christ, and that is him in the left corner in the white shirt, standing in the in the front row, which we all know is where the spiritual people sit. Uh, so that was in spite of me, not because of me. A guy who turned his back on Allah and turned it towards Jesus. That happened uh, because the Spirit is that strong in it. So anyway, that was from this morning. Uh, in Uganda. I do not have um, uh, the, the scripture to broadcast this morning, so you're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way on your phone. Uh, Romans 12, <laughs> verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I think it was Chuck Swindoll said, the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act and proper worship. Some of your translations probably say reasonable. This is a reasonable thing to do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. And if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your uh, word that is a light and a lamp for us. And in just these few minutes we have, Lord, I pray that you would uh, make it alive and real and illuminating to our paths in in a real world that has real questions and real challenges. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If I were to try to sum up this passage that you've probably read a thousand times, if you've been around the church, this one is not new to you. But it would be to stop stop doing and start being. 
Stop doing and start being. It, I heard this actually from Anne. Uh, Anne, I was listening to a, a, an interview with Anne, and Anne is, uh, was a successful bakery owner. She had a little bakery in Pennsylvania, and her bakery had started doing pretty well. And uh, it had grown to a few dozen locations, and, and she was crushing it. It was probably her Amish upbringing, because she worked night and day, just getting it done. She was hitting all the locations, getting it done. And as the business was growing and she was crushing it, the business seemed to be crushing her. Uh, the weight of what she was experiencing was, was heavy. And one day her pastor asked her, and I've done this to a few of you, you know how it goes, how are you doing? And sometimes when you say, how are you doing, somebody actually tells you how they're doing. <laughs> and Anne at that moment told him exactly how she was doing. She started sobbing saying that the weight of this is too much. I can't take it. I don't know what I'm going to do. She was in this deep, dark despair. And he asked her a question. She said, Ann, do you know what your gift is? In this interview, said, I'm 45 years old. I didn't know what he was talking about. I had no idea what my gift was. What did he even mean by that? And after prayer and talking, they figured out her gift was the gift of inspiration, which on this list would probably be exhortation or, or prophecy, something that inspires people. And at that uh, moment, she says, was a turning point for her because by finding out what her gift was, she was able to find her purpose. And her purpose, oh, did I not mention her name was Ann Byler, the founder of Auntie Ann's Pretzels? Um, Ann figured out what her purpose was, which is to go to all the stores and inspire people. She goes, I felt like I was completely worthless. I, I'm just sitting here inspiring people. But by staying in the gift that she had, it actually brought her this purpose and fulfillment and allowing the people with the gift of administration and the gift of giving, all, all of that to be in their lane. But for her, it was a turning point towards being healthy, being whole, and knowing what her gift is. Uh, she wrote a book called The Twist of Faith that I highly recommend. Uh, she did an interview with uh, Donald Miller on his Story Brand podcast a few months ago that's totally worth listening to. Even if you're, uh, I know, wait, wait, sorry, heartbreaking. It's not keto. But it's still good. <laughs> That's what she's saying. That's the gift that she had, that she discovered what her gift was, and that gift is what actually set her free to be who God created her to be. And her pastor in that moment told her the words, you've got to stop doing and start being, And Start being who God created you to be. And I believe that the power of these seven gifts is there this glimpse into who God created you to be. I am just one-seventh of the Jesus response to any problem that the world throws. But if I stay in my lane and be that one-seventh and allow the others to stand forward on it, it's the power of God. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. And we talked last week that the power of these gifts is the power to belong, the power to be accepted, and the power to change. This week, I want to share where I look at this passage and where I believe that power comes from. Like, why is it the power to change? Why is it the power to belong? And it starts right there in the book of Romans chapter 12 when we realize that those gifts, that glimpse of who we are, that thing that set Anne free, was given to her. To put it differently, she discovered it. She didn't choose it. She didn't look at you. How many of you, how many of you like going to the Fridays? I, I hate Fridays because I can't, the menu, it's too much. Too many choices, right? That's why I love my beloved Oscar's taco shop. <laughs> right? Hand of Armando and Marisol. Because I know what I'm getting there, the California. It's simple. 
There's not the California burrito and an ice cream thing, or you can have onion rings. Or, I know, stick with what I want. The, the, when I have too many choices and too many options, it's a little overwhelming at a restaurant, and, and it's really overwhelming in life. And the realization, because here's what he says here, that, you, that God has distributed to each of you these gifts. God has decided. And he says in verse 5, so that we, uh, though many form one body, each member belongs to the others, that there is something that God is doing here, that when you realize that your gift is discovered, not decided, there's a freedom in that. I want to tell you why I believe that, because in our world, there is the secular humanist view that you choose. Look deep inside. Grab hold of your life and find inside of you who you want to be. We learned this from Elsa in Frozen. <laughs> I'm not anti-Elsa, by the way. I'm not team Elsa either. I'm just, I'm Elsa neutral. But the point is, is that every Disney movie ever, that's like one of the, the, the catechism of our society is I can just be whatever I want to be. Choose whatever I want to be. That's the secular humanist view. And that's, the reason that it's there is very simple, that if you were not created, you were just, you just happened then that's the only option is to figure out why you're here and to figure out your purpose. And what we know, psychology, it is settled that if you don't have purpose, it's not good for you. It's a dangerous place to be. It's where anxiety and depression and suicide are born out of having no purpose. That said, figuring out, these are the two views, the secular worldview, which is I choose whatever way, or the biblical Christian view, which is that you were created, and if you're created, that means that your creator had a purpose to create you. Which is why, by the way, you want to make sure that if it, whoever created you, it'd be good to know if he's good, right? It'd be good to know if he's not... Um, remember the far side? Okay. I, there's an old... Adam, you might remember this. Where God is like on a table rolling out Play-Doh and says, Oh, snakes. Right, so he's creating snakes, for, which for whatever purpose, I don't know. We found one in the garage last night. Welcome to Williamson County. Um, I don't 100% know what the, what the purpose of a snake was, but there was a purpose for it. You have a purpose in you being created, and it would be your creator is good. We're going to talk about how I know that, or at least why I believe that in a minute. But I want to share with you why I think that the secular version is dangerous and why it ties directly to the epidemic of anxiety and depression on our children right now. It was just a uh, couple of years ago that the New York Times article headline was, this is the year we were obsessed with our identity. Identity politics have been around a long time, but this year in particular, identity politics became a big deal. And of course, it was with gender, that's what brought it out. But here's what really popped the cork. Does anybody remember Rachel Dolezal? She was the president of the NAACP in Spokane, Washington, who had been uh, identifying as black, but was white. Somebody just gasped. I know, I remember her. I got one. <laughs> it's okay. That year became, the, the drama was that it was one thing to say that I can choose whatever sexual preference I want, then it went to whatever gender I want. But Rachel was saying, no, I can choose whatever race I want. And at some point, somebody said, nope, 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 you can't do that one. That's, that's too far. But the point is, is that in the society that we're in, what's happening in, as a culture at large is choosing whatever way that what happened with Dolezal, there's a fascinating documentary on Netflix about Dolezal that if you have time, 
to watch is, is interesting. But she is the logical conclusion of it, whatever way. It's the logical chain between Rachel Dolezal and Elsa in Frozen, okay? Is that if I follow this to its logical conclusion, that I can be whatever I want to be, that she can do that just as much as anybody else can. Now, why it's dangerous is this. The weight of it is crushing our society of choosing whatever way. It's like this infinite weight. There's a, a comedian, writer, producer named Bo Burnham. And if you are over 30, you probably have literally no idea who he is. But I heard an interview with Bo this last week on NPR. Sorry, I listen to NPR. Um, and Bo got his start on the internet. He was a YouTube star from the early uh, 2000, like one of the first ones. Literally hilarious. And if you don't know who he is, I promise you, of those 60 kids back there, like half of them at least know who he is. But Bo's latest project is a film called uh, eighth grade. And I, wa- and I watched the preview and it was so hard as a parent to watch. Because remember the John Hughes film? Now we're going to date ourselves. John Hughes films. Come on, just be real straight with me. Okay. Come on, I know there's more. Uh, the John Hughes coming of age films of the 80s was there's a bully, he's outside, he gives you a swirly. Like it, all the pressure's outside, okay? But what Burnham is tapping into is that in our society, and by the way, it's happening to adults as well, but to teenagers, the weight is not necessarily outside as it is much as it is inside. The pressure is internal, which is why we have young people in our own families, and I bet if I were to ask by a showing of hands that at least one-third of us would raise our hands that we have children struggling with anxiety and fear. Now, here's what Burnham is saying in this movie. The premise is this, that the the life that this young girl is living is because she is trying to perform for everybody. Because I can be whatever I want to be, I don't want to be wrong, so I got to be everything. By the way, that's also probably where $1.4 trillion of our student loans are coming from, is being, I can be anything, I don't want to be wrong, so I just keep stacking student loans to try to get the right degree. Ending up, uh, is it micro that talks about getting a college degree for jobs that don't exist? But it's not their fault. They were told we could be whatever I want to be. And what they're really afraid of is if I blow this, I've only got one life, and the weight of it is is so much that I'll go $100,000 in debt for a philosophy degree. No disrespect to philosophy degrees. Here's what Burnham says about what's happening in our children right now. He says that social media, I'm just going to read this quote, is just the market's answer to a generation that demanded to perform. Keeping in mind, he made his living. He got his start performing on the internet. So the market said, here, perform everything to each other all the time for no reason. It's prison. It's horrific. Now he goes on to say this. I don't have it up there. It is performer and audience melded together. I know very little about anything. Listen to this. I know very little about anything, but what I do know is that if you can live your life without an audience, you should do it. Man, every time our little teenagers are hitting the storyline on Instagram, they're telling a story because they're performing, because they're trying to figure out who they are, the pressure to be awesome, the pressure to have this amazing life, the pressure to choose whatever. It's the Friday's menu on steroids. Which one do I order? And then someone else says, I don't know about you, but I always suffer from order regret. right? I tend to, by the way, I won't even, this is me, this is embarrassing, but it's true. 
When I go to a restaurant, I will actually wait until everybody else orders, and then I'll just pick one of those. <laughs> On steroids, man, bless our kids' hearts. But you know, the fact is, is that we, even in our own world, when we're trying to raise our kids, even knowing these spiritual gifts and raising our kids, when the Bible says raise up a child in the way in which they should go, he or she should go, that Hebrew word speaks of like a bent that they have in them. Raise them in that way. So if you've got a strong-willed child, you raise them different than someone who's happy all the time. You raise them. Can I tell a Lauren story? When Lauren was little, she was really little, like little, little. She was a little strong-willed. And I remember we were out on tour with uh, James Dobson's kid, Ryan Dobson. And I was actually reading The Strong-Willed Child during that time, and I realized, here's, you know, here's uh, Ryan, a, a tattooed skater from L.A. going, well, maybe, I, maybe that's not the best advice. I don't know. Uh, um, just kidding. Ryan's amazing. But the point being that we had to raise Lauren differently than we raised Ashley, because Ashley, you just look at her sideways, and she'd fold like a napkin. And then there's Maddie, who was, I appreciate your enthusiasm, Dad. <laughs> but I'm going to do this one. <laughs> I'm trying this one instead. Raise up a child in the way that they should go. Knowing their bent, knowing their spiritual gift helps us in raising our kids with it. And teaching them to start with that it is discovered, not chosen, is one of the greatest gifts that we can give our kids. To tell them that you were created with a purpose. To, sh- to say, that here's the way that you can discover it, and the way that you discover it is that, so it's discovered, not decided, and the way that we discover it, he says, offer your lives as a living sacrifice. I could list out all seven of these gifts, okay? And I, you could see that, hey, they, they correlate with the Myers-Briggs or with the DISC profile. With all, they, they do correlate with all those things, and they're not bad, by the way. Those are not bad things at all. But if you didn't have this, you didn't have the Myers-Briggs, you didn't, Paul just writes this, he's just saying, here's the way that you do it. All those other things are great. Just offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Pull your hand off of your life. See, Elsa says, put your hands on your life. Hold on tightly. I don't want to be the good girl they want me to be. I'm going to look inside and let it go. Let it go. It's beautiful. Again, not anti-Elsa. But that's part of the culture of our society. It says, choose whatever way I'm holding on tightly. And Paul says, let go of it and offer your life as a living sacrifice. My friend Bobby Nelson, who owns Nelson Mazda, calls it the I don't care prayer. And the I don't care prayer is, God, I don't care. I just want to do whatever you want me to do. I just want to be whatever you want me to be. There is an enormous amount of freedom in opening your day with, God, I don't care. I just want to do what you want me to do. And then it says you will know his will for your life, his good, his perfect and pleasing will. Offering your life. And I think the second thing in the discovery is you discover, you, so you're discovering by disengaging. I'm saying the pattern of this world is Elsa saying it's inside, let it go. The pattern of the Bible is let it go, don't hold on at all to it. And the other thing is I need you to tell me. I need relationship. One of the things that Chris and Lisa Roman do in their journey training of ministry is give somebody the gift of self-awareness. I shared last week why I was so, I was, remember I was so surprised when I didn't have the gift of mercy right, in the little spiritual gifts test, and everybody in the room was like, are you an idiot? Of course you don't have the gift of mercy. How did you not know that? And the reason I didn't know that was I didn't have the gift of self-awareness that came from others around me. 
There are those, by the way, that might think Darren has the gift of mercy because of all this money you're giving to feed children, building these churches for people who can't all deserve it. How is it that you don't have the gift of mercy? And the reason is, I don't do it out of mercy. I do it out of logic. It is illogical to me that a child in Haiti is less worth less than they are here. That's illogical to me. That's not out of mercy. That's out of the gift of teaching. Same result, different gift that took me there. What I learned, by the way, is that Doing something because they deserve it, right? That's justice. That's not mercy. So I could be a guy full of justice because it's lo- justice is logical. Mercy is illogical. Mercy is something that, and by the way, Jesus is both justice and mercy. And it doesn't make him contradict himself. It's a paradox. It doesn't make him smaller. It makes him bigger. Discovering it by disengaging from the pattern of this world that says, I'm going to hold on tightly, that this is me, and I'm going to choose, and I'm going to be that just wearing us out and killing us inside, racking us with debts, all these things. Letting go of that and saying, Lord, I'm just letting go of my life, and I'm letting you take control. And part of it is that I've got to be doing that by disengaging from the pattern of this world and engaging with the body of Christ, with my fellow brothers and sisters, the other hand, the foot, the all together that can say, hey, Darren, I don't think you're a thumb. You've got to quit acting like a thumb. It's not helping. I can't pick up chips this way. You've got to be the thumb. You know, be, let the thumb be the thumb. Discovering by disengaging, and the main power of all of that comes from the fact of discovering how much it cost for this gift that you got. When I know that it was given to me that I didn't discover it or earn it, that it, it turns me into a steward. This is a stewardship thing, not an ownership thing. That I am not... Owning this, I am stewarding it. And what that means is I am now going to be humble and obedient instead of arrogant and alone. In the first service, uh, Susan Roberts was with us. She's a nurse at Rolling Hills Hospital. Specifically works with, with teenagers. And she said that every day she's dealing with people, with young people who have attempted suicide who are caught in this web of I can be whatever I want to be and it's literally crushing their souls. And I think she said that what they'll often say is I don't even believe in God. I don't, and it's crushing their soul. If they could only know how much Jesus paid for the gift that he wanted to give to them that they could then deliver to the world. That it makes it a stewardship, not an ownership. And I can let go of that. And as parents, I can think of no greater thing that we can be teaching even our littles. That God created you with a purpose. That he created you to to deliver this gift that he put inside of you and that ultimately the only logical thing is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. He would say in 1 Corinthians, Paul would say to that church that, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Offering your body is a living sacrifice. When someone comes at you giving you everything and everything he gave it to you, the only logical response is to give everything back. Reasonable act of worship. What he's saying is, by not offering my life back to him like that is as equally stupid as it is wicked. It just doesn't make any sense. Of course, that the God of the universe who would pay an infinite price. I mean, that's why Justin and Sarah, why adoption is such a beautiful picture. 
You guys gave everything to go to India, bring back your baby. She doesn't even know it yet, but that's a story, and that's why Jesus uses that story of the father. He uses the story of adoption. Went across, not just across the world on a long, stinky flight, but punched through the time-space continuum into our domain to become one of us because that's how good he is. Remember when I said you know, we want to make sure that your creator is good, that, that God wasn't up there just rolling out snakes, which for me actually would have been rolling. It would have been more like Pat. You know, anyway, um, rolling out snakes because we know he's good because of the cross. We know because of what he did for us that he's good, and that means that whatever purpose he is, that I can let go of this and trust that he is good so that that gift that I have of teaching just stay in my lane. Let the administers administrate. Let the givers give and the merciful be merciful. That's what he says. Be these. Stop doing, start being. That is the message of Romans 12. It's the message of you were created with this bent in you. And the fact that you will never be able to do it in a vacuum, it only happens when we are together. And I'm going to end with this thought. And it's a thought that I've shared before, but it's worth, I believe, sharing again. It's Paul saying, offer your body as a living sacrifice. And we talk about these gifts and the Holy Spirit and breathing into us. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament is a picture of water, right? John chapter six, it was the the water. He spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was yet to come. Paul, at the end of his life, who had literally laid out everything, laid out his entire body as a living sacrifice. Every time he crawled off the altar, he crawled back on again. At the end of his life in 2 Timothy, he speaks of his life being poured out as a drink offering. And the drink offering, as you know, if you've been around, I've taught this before, was a picture of the Old Testament of when it was, God, it was the wine for God. They would take a vat of wine and pour it onto the sacrifice. And it was emblematic of what was happening. It was for God, the celebration, the joy of a life well lived, the joy of the sacrifice being accepted. Paul says, that was my life being poured out as a drink offering. Joy for him, that our lives being poured out for him. Your life is literally like a toast to God. The Holy Spirit comes in as water. It goes out as wine. What was Jesus' first miracle? Maybe there was a reason that was his first miracle, because he wanted to tell you a story. That your life, even if you feel like I'm letting go of all this and I'm not holding on to it, I'm, I don't know what, I can trust God, I'm going to pour out my whole life and it might mean that I'm going to India to adopt and it might mean that I'm just going to school to be a teacher and invest in these kids' lives, but either way, I'm pouring out my life. He's saying that. It's seen. And at the end of your life, that good and faithful servant part, imagine the glass of wine in his hand holding up, if you're a Baptist, it's juice, um, in his hand which is your life being poured out. The well done and good and faithful service is like a toast to our Father, your life being poured out, water into wine. These gifts are your gift back to him again. He gives them to us to deliver and then they go back to him again. It's this great big, huge kingdom of God thing. Stand to your feet and I want to pray for you. This Week. A lot of you in this room, you probably already know what your gift is, and I would encourage you to, if you don't, yeah, look at the list, Google it, whatever, but don't start there. Start with, I'm giving you me today, God, all of me today. My life, a living sacrifice. Some of you do that already. Some of you, you know, you have this gift of teaching, but you're, you're teaching to kids. That's offering your life out. There's no glory in that. 
not this side of heaven until God holds up your life, right? But start with, I'm giving it to you. Disengage the pattern of this world. Let go of the idea that I'm going to choose this and let God choose it knowing that he's a good creator, that he paid such a good price. Heavenly Father, would you make known to us today your gifts to us? You give good gifts to us and through us. And I pray that there are those of us in here that are spending our life doing that this week we will spend our life being who you created us to be. And I know, Lord, that there are those that are struggling even and there's some unhealthy things and struggling through it and I pray that they will find the help that they need to break through so that ultimately as we let go of all of that, we only have us and you left and the identity that you have given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like to develop it, to fight for the freedom that God has given you because if some of us... We can't even see it in ourselves and letting go is the first step, but then developing it, that's what we're gonna talk about next week. So go be blessed. If you wanna be a part of Discover 102, that's in the basement at 11 a.m., so in just 20 minutes. So.